Howdy folks, welcome back to Leave the Swamp, the secession podcast. Thanks so much for joining again. Really appreciate you coming back here, because if you're listening to this, if you're, I guess if you're an old listener to this, you're either about to or have already joined the cause for a peaceful and friendly separation, because that's about what we talk about here is, it's about time for people in this country, the United States, to decide to separate, have an amicable separation, and go our own ways. There's really no way for us to uh, debate over and fight over this stuff in uh, Mordor, D.C., and come out with a, a good conclusion, really, for either side. It just It's just not going to happen anymore. The country's too big. It's not governable. The people no longer have any say or any power in Mordor. It's totally owned and controlled by the, you know, the people you always hear about, the the big banks, the big corporations, the military industrial complex, all these entrenched, powerful folks that, you know, have no reason to really reform and give the power back to you and us, the people. So we got to kind of take it back. And in this one, I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, first off, this uh, freedom convoy in Canada, uh, which is just an amazing, it's a great thing. Uh, I, I love how the mainstream, the media, they'll, I was watching this compilation about how they're cat, uh, characterizing what's going on up there. Of uh, you know, they, they, The first thing they say is this so-called, quote-unquote, Freedom Convoy. I love how they have to put these subtle words. It's really interesting how the media works and how, I'd say pretty effectively, they use utilize wording and words to plant subconscious ideas in your head by them constantly repeating the uh, so-called uh, Freedom Convoy um, or self-described Freedom Convoy or something. What they're doing is they're subtly... In your, in your mind trying to plant a seed of discredit, discreditation, if that's even a word, uh, about what's going on up there. And of course, they tell the lies of, uh, you know, widespread rioting and, you know, damage to property and all this type of stuff, which is hilarious because where was the media saying, talking about all this stuff and how terrible it was, how it was an insurrection or whatever when the Black Lives Matter protests and all this, you know, so-called George Floyd protests and stuff was going on when they were literally burning down buildings, destroying property, looting property. Nothing was said about that. You know, that was never characterized as an insurrection or a, a, uh, you know, a threat to democracy, you know, whatever the hell that means. You know, it's just absolutely hilarious how it's characterized. But anyway, the, this whole thing is such a great, great thing to see so many people and so many people in a very powerful position when they all come together, uh, making a statement. Now, it could backfire, and that's what kind of worries me because, in a way, it's kind of playing in to the hand of the powers that be because it's arguable that truckers are the most important piece of the, uh, we call it the cardiovascular system of our economy because they're the ones that are transporting goods from you know their origination to their final destination. And that helps the common man, you know, be able to go to the grocery store and get the food he needs or, you know, go to wherever and buy what he needs. 
But if all these truckers are not doing that and not delivering these goods, well, then the common man really, and I don't consider you the common man because you're listening to this. I am hoping if you're not already that, you know, you'll become part of the 300. You know, we're talking the 1% uh, folks out there, top 1%, and that would be the people aligned with this, the, uh, the goal and the, and the impetus of this podcast. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be able to withstand some temporary hardship, some temporary inconvenience, uncomfortability, and that type of thing, because we would be supporting, and we are supporting, these truckers fighting against these, this uh, tyranny that's going on, not only up in, out of Ottawa in Canada, but all across the world, really, where more and more trucker uh, convoys are starting. But I, I would say probably the problem is the majority of folks out there who aren't listening to this, who are not aligned with us, who don't think deeply about anything, have no critical thinking skills really at all. I'm sure you know a lot of people like that that you talk to and you associate every day, maybe part of your family, etc., these folks, all they're going to see is they're going to go to the grocery store and either see, well, and probably see both, high prices for things and then empty shelves. And in the media, which I'm, I'm surprised I haven't really seen this yet, but they will come back and blame, and the politicians will then start blaming these horrible truckers for causing shortages on the shelves and all this. And, and then they'll, they'll couch that and saying how that's how they're threatening your democracy and threatening your freedom, threatening your health and all this type of stuff. Not to mention the fact that it was the politicians themselves and the, their corporate overlords, the, one, the, the corporations that own them, as an example, like the pharmaceutical companies and stuff, that shut everything down a year and a half, two years ago, uh, placed all these mandates in effect that are causing the backlash that's happening now. You know, that, that'll be glossed over. It'll be as if this happened spontaneously out of thin air. But... Think about that, though, whenever, you know, things like this happen, you know, I've heard this theory that it uh, it's now being encouraged, obviously, by these politicians to keep going because that will just cause more people to be inconvenienced. And then the politicians will be able to ride in on their horse, white horse and say, see, this is why these are these people are this is an insurrection. We got to put it down. We got to put more restrictions in place on your freedom so that this never happens again and you never run out of food on your shelves. Blah, blah, blah. That's just what always happens. So the, this is going to reach a critical point, a critical point where that rhetoric will become the highest and this whole trucker thing will have the decision to see either say, okay, we got to relent and we got to deliver the food and stuff on the shelves and then the politicians win or they keep going and they accurately are able to pass along the uh, reason why they're doing it to these folks. You know, to kind of educate them and say, no, we're doing this for you. You know, it's it's because the the politicians, you know, those prime ministers and all these idiots that are in charge, these tyrannical idiots are here, you know, basically just to, in the end, all they want to do is tell you what to do and lord over you, you know, and we're fighting against that. We've had enough. We want to have our freedom. And this is a great example. This goes to show why, you know, I talk a lot about, secession from the perspective of Texas leaving the United States. But this is a great example. Why would someone in, say, British Columbia be sitting there saying, you know, it's a good thing we're part, we're governed from, uh, you know, Ottawa, 
you know, that that's great that, you know, we just need to keep doing it. Why not say, why the hell are we being told what to do by this, this little idiot whip, you know, piece of, piece of shit Prime Minister Trudeau? Why the hell does he have any power over us way over here on the Pacific Ocean when, I mean... Well, probably never. It's it's entirely possible that, or you wouldn't have to interact with any of these people way over there. I mean, there's just absolutely no reason why, really, any of those provinces should be governed from the center like they are now, and given this prime minister the ability to implement and 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 you know put implement these mandates and whatnot, and continue going about spewing idiotic stuff like he does. Uh, about everything and basically glossing over the the entire uh, the entire it, it, what we're sitting in right now is you know bizarre world but it's really uh it's like opposite day every day remember opposite day you know <laughs> uh it, truly everything coming out of his mouth the opposite of it is true you know i mean it's just it's the most unbelievable thing i've i've seen in my life so far of, of observing talking heads and politicians i mean the 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 amount of opposite day stuff is just absolutely mind-boggling and finally some of these these members of parliament up there are speaking up and saying enough is enough now i don't know why some of them are saying we need a we need a schedule from the prime minister on when this is going to happen you know we need a plan no say no right now end it end it right now and then, really, what what the uh, these truckers should do is they need to elect some a council of some sort of representative to say, "Look, this is this is morphed beyond, uh, you know, essentially protesting to hope that they'll to ask them to end mandates. It's basically saying, no, mandates are over. We're no longer going to abide by them. Done, zip zilch. Okay, and truly, I mean, it it." it I mean, it hurts me. It, it, it really bothers me. And then I, I see how the police there are coming in and stealing uh, gasoline and diesel fuel from the people that are there, the, uh, the protesters and whatnot. I mean, that's, it could be construed as murder if someone's truck or car dies and they're relying on the heater in that thing and it's freezing cold up there. But their gas or their diesel has been stolen from them by the police, and now the evidently the police are going to say, "Well, we'll arrest anyone bringing gasoline and or diesel fuel, some any kind of fuel into the protesters." Uh, that is just absolutely unbelievable. It's it's hilarious. It's like we're going to arrest uh, life saving uh, you know uh, fuel for these folks, but you know what? If you want to go protest over George Floyd, go ahead. You know, we're not going to touch you. Go down, and you know what? You can take gasoline in there, pour it all over a building and burn it down. That's perfectly fine. But if you're bringing in gasoline or fuel for the trucker protest, well, you're going to jail. <laughs> I mean, it, it just what's going on is absolutely ridiculous. But I will say it's nice to see folks finally having enough and coming together. It, it, this is a perfect example of a snowball. You know, it starts rolling down the hill and it gathers steam. That's what happened with this thing. But again, I want to tie it back in to why the smallest the smallest size of government is best. Because once you put once more and more power gets centralized 
in one location to be lorded over the many, then that actually in and of itself creates the conflict because then people fight over who's going to be in charge from the center, who's going to be in charge of Washington, D.C., Mordor, or who's going to be in charge of North Mordor up in Ottawa over the entire country of Canada, you know, over a country where they could have many different countries in there to where each one governs itself and they wouldn't be lesser off, any worse off. I mean, there's no reason why, at the very least, each province should, should, shouldn't should be its own country. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. I mean, what do they get from the central government in Canada? I mean, really, protection? Protection from what? Who's going to invade Canada? I mean, give me a break. Who's going to invade Alberta? You know, granted, there are a lot of there's a lot of fuel there, so at some point that might become a very uh, contested area. But, you know, if Ottawa just stays neutral and says, you know what, well, we're going to... You know, uh, have commerce with everybody that comes uh, comes asking. We're, we, you know, we'll we'll sell our fuel to those who pay for it. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna build up a a military to go invade other countries, uh, much less BC or you know Saskatchewan or whatever. You know, I mean, they're gonna they'll be okay on their own. You know, Montreal doesn't have anything to fear from us. You know, there's very little incentive to to do any kind of a military operation like that if, if you're trading with folks and you're not, you're not bellicose, you know, with them or whatever. So I challenge anyone out there to give me a great reason as to why a province of Canada should not secede and go on its own, you know? Uh, oh, my doorbell just rang. Hold on. Okay. Sorry about that. Of course, it won't be a long break for you because I'll have paused and edited this, but uh, had to pick up some flowers that I had delivered since Valentine's Day is coming up. But anyway, I think that's how I've said enough about the trucker convoy and whatnot and how that kind of relates back to another great reason, call it number 15,601, why provinces or states and even smaller, you know, counties, but let's just, that's an easy kind of boundary, bound, you know, boundaries to think in your head should leave the central government that they're attached to because the central government in the end is a tyrannical and oppressive. This is a perfect example of that. Uh, speaking of central governments, there's just a couple of things I wanted to mention in addition to this that I that caught my eye that I thought was kind of interesting. And the first one has to do with uh, the naming now of the... Washington football team, you know, in the NFL, or the the Mordor team, basically. And let me just say, this whole woke stuff about changing names of teams because some little some little minority somewhere that may not even been vocal, it became vocal because some idiot reporter picked it up somewhere and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Uh, is just. I mean, it's it's basically, and I don't know if y'all you're the case, the same with this or anything, but this type of stuff has basically been like a kick in the the groin for several years now, and it quite frankly, it's made me get to the point where I despise some of these sports now, some of these leagues and stuff like that. The NFL, uh, I mean, I used to like NFL football, but. You know, I lost kind of half my passion about it once I went to college. Because then I cared about my college football team, right? But then after college, 
and then all this stuff happening, I basically have no passion for it whatsoever. I couldn't get, I couldn't care less what was going on with it. You know, I mean, I lived and died in the early '90s based on whether the Cowboys won a game or not. You know, that Sunday. I mean, I was depressed the entire week if they lost a game until the next game they won. You know, that's how bad it was. Then I translated that passion to uh, my university, Texas Tech. Uh, which a lot, there's a lot of uh, you know passion there. However, there's a lot of heartbreak, you know, with that football team as well. But you know, you, you become connected to something like that when you go there. So that kind of that drew away a lot of care I had for the NFL. And you know, just lately with all this woke stuff going on, it's just been like zero. That's that that I have for these teams, especially when. The league and the players, you know, they're like so overt that they basically hate you. And then they may, I mean, essentially they hate you for the color of your skin. And I'm coming from the perspective of a white person because everything they talk about there is as if we're the devil. White people are the devil. You know, and that's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and then talking about discrimination and all this stuff, which, you know, in a truly free market, discrimination either wouldn't exist or if it did, the person doing it would be blackballed and go out of business. Period. That's the end of the story. Smart business people, smart people, you know, don't fall victim to believing that stupid bullshit, you know, and, and doing things along those lines. It just it's just it idiocy. You know, so it it's it's ridiculous that I even have to say that. That I mean, this whole idea that these leagues need to have even even talk about this stuff. I mean, just play a sport, right? Just play, go on the field and play the game. You know, don't preach to me. Don't do any of that stuff. Don't put little, you know, sayings on the court or on the field or any of that crap. You know, just play the damn sport, right, that I'm there to watch because I want to see a good good game, right? Anyway. Going back to this Washington team, I mean, so they were the Redskins. I liked the Redskins, even though they were Dallas's biggest rival. I grew up kind of liking them. I liked the uniforms. I thought I liked the color combination. I liked all that kind of stuff. Um, now, when the Cowboys became really good, I didn't really hate the Redskins, but I liked the Cowboys more. You know, I grew up in the Dallas area, so that that's, they were obviously became my team. They probably they may not have if they didn't win those three Super Bowls in the early nineties, but. Because that and, and that occurred at the same time I was kind of coming of age in junior high and stuff in high schools or really in elementary into into junior high, but uh, I guess maybe that's neither here nor there. But the Redskins, you know, evidently they fought against this name thing for a long time, and they should have never even given it the time of day. They should never even responded to anything about this stuff. It's been the Redskins for a long time. Everyone was used to it. And in fact, football being a violent sport, you know, I, I would listen to uh, Peter Schiff's podcast, and he made some good points about this. And I thought about this, and but he put it into words, and I just want to reiterate it here, and I totally 100% agree that the by the Washington naming their team the Redskins, it in and of itself... Now, I guess this part he didn't really mention, so I'm adding to what he said. In and of itself, the team out of Washington, D.C., the city of the central government that raised armies and went into the West and essentially committed genocide against American Indians, 
for that the football team of that city to name their team the Redskins, the name of a team of a brutal sport, is a is a is a symbol of honor to the, to the American Indians. Is a symbol of uh, respect, and and quite frankly, was a symbol of uh, con, you know contrition or or what's the word? I'm like my mind's going blank. But uh, basically saying, look, we realize now that we did things we probably shouldn't have done to you people. You people being American Indians, and we're so sorry that we did it, and we respect what you guys do. That we're gonna name the team of the sport, the team of the city that plays a sport that's so brutal that we're gonna name it after you, you people, because you're you you're you people fought with valor and passion, and were warriors. You know the most respectful, respected, and. Uh, feared warriors that we encountered when we were, you know, settling the West. So it's it's a it's a, a term of endearment and respect for it to be named the Redskins. So these people who change the name are completely disrespecting the whole purpose of the Washington Redskins being called the Redskins. Okay, they're disrespecting the memory of the American Indians. Uh, spitting in their face, saying, "You know what? You're not actually worthy now, in of the Washington D.C. the Mordor D.C. football team to be called the Redskins. So we're going to change the name. You know that this team is should not be brought down to the level of being called the Redskins. <clears throat> See, that's the way it should be looked at, and that's the way it actually is. It's not change the name because we respect them. No, completely opposite. So they're going to change the name because they don't give a shit about you." Because they don't respect you, in the least, okay. That should be the real story there. But anyway, to add insult to injury, they decide to name the team the Commanders, <laughs> which is actually more appropriate for Mordor now than the Redskins, because I don't believe Mordor or anyone in Mordor, you know, is as fearsome a warrior as the Redskins were. You know, they're all just bureaucrats now. Uh, you know, and Washington should not have a highly respected name attached to it. The Washington D.C. team should not. So now they're going to be called the Commanders, which is basically exactly what come what happens in in Washington is they Washington D.C. commands everybody else what to do, tells everyone else what to do, tells you know uh, here uh, tells us here in Texas how we should live our life, how much water should be flushed down our toilets, you know how how powerful our our light bulbs should be or you know how much natural resources we can uh, you know exploit here in our own land and how we should and how we can do that how we should be able to power and or provide power to our own houses you know things of this nature you know I just you, it makes you the more you think about it it makes you want to tell mortar to fuck off and that's what they should do right well I think this might be a this might be you know how they say you tick the top top tick like in a market when you you buy or you sell. I guess mainly it's used around buying at the very top before it collapses. I think the renaming of the Washington Football Team is the top tick of the American Empire. You know it has been in decline for hundred years, really. I mean internally, like under this under the scenes and stuff. But I think this right here is the out, outwardly overt 
top ticking of the American Empire, Washington Commanders. Now, for it to be actually, you know, given a proper name to really describe what's going on in Washington, D.C., I happen to think they should have been renamed the Washington Skeeters or the Washington Mosquitoes. Because the only thing in Washington, D.C. is a bunch of blood-sucking parasites, basically. Uh, you know, and these bloodsuckers, you know, they everywhere they go, they bring disease with them. Because if they're there actually doing things and believing what they're doing, you know, trying to uh, uh, micromanage everything from Washington, D.C., well, they're nothing but bloodsuckers, number one. But number two, that idea infects everything else so they they get their little beak and that sticks in someone else that those ideas will infect other people so no it should be called the washington skeeters i think that's what i'm going to start referring to washington as the washington skeeters if i ever, ever watch another nfl game i don't know i may watch the championship super bowl stuff but or i'll watch the super bowl but we'll see uh, but yeah, no, the the Washington Skeeters is more. It should be what it's called, but I, but the Washington Commanders is a very appropriate name for for the tyrants in Mordor, D.C. One hundred percent. So there you go, top top take of the empire, right there for you. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about here, which I thought was pretty interesting, is I get these weird uh, texts. Uh, from folks, um, you know, doing some election canvassing and whatnot, for whatever. And I got, uh, I got this text from uh, Beto and Beto's campaign here in Texas. What a worthless sack of shit Beto is. Uh, but, you know, I said, hi, Richard. I don't know why they keep calling me Richard, but it says, Cindy here with Beto for Texas. Early voting, March 1st primary, can we count on you? For Be- count on your vote for Beto in the coming election. And I always reply to these things. Sometimes I reply, sometimes I don't. I say, why should I? <laughs> and this one said, Beto is running to build a Texas that works for all of us. As governor, he'll prior to prioritize job creation for Texas, expand health care, and make our community safe again by making policy decisions based on guidance from public health experts. You can find more information about Beto's ideas at this link. Uh, if you have any further policy questions, please email the team. Thanks for your time. I haven't replied back yet to this thing. I think I will just because she told me to email the team, so I'm just going to reply by text. But let's just go through these real quick. Beto says he'll, his, uh, his policies, he'll prioritize job creation for Texas, Texans. Now, how the hell does he think he's going to do that? Well, I'd be willing to... I'd, I'd be willing to bet he, I mean, not bet, I mean, I know, he has no idea and does not understand how jobs are actually created. Guy's never run a business. Um, he's never, If here's the thing. His idea of job creation is basically uh, creating work programs and funding uh, welfare for people to get better trained and stuff like this which in a free market wouldn't be needed because businesses would be doing them doing this themselves you know if they had the money to do it without being stolen from he then says uh you know part of that on his website he talks about high quality jobs what does that mean yeah former business owner in opatio you don't know he don't know shit about anything uh he's got a fight with labor 
to help this out. Okay, well, how about you know, you're just gonna and he's gonna he wants a job Texas Climate Jobs Act to to make 1.1 million high paying high quality union jobs. This guy, this guy is so clueless that see he's so clueless that he he actually believes in this stuff that he's trying to do. Not realizing that it is just, it's more tyrannical bullshit. That's just, you know, growing the government more to destroy more of whatever property and freedoms we have left, you know. And if you're listening out there, you know, hope this is pissing you off. And if you happen to be going into this as a Beto supporter, I hope you wake up and realize that, you know, guys like this, all they want to do, all the policies they want to do will destroy anything we have left here in Texas. And I'm not arguing for Abbott or whoever else to necessarily run in against him. I'm just saying, you know, he's the this guy is just uh, horrible and, and, and worse. Now I'll get maybe more into it, give examples, but I think one of the big, couple of the big things are here are, uh, you know, make our community safe again by making policy decisions based on guidance from public health, health experts. That alone should disqualify dis, uh, this guy. You should be woken, uh, a awoke enough by now to have realized and, and seen how every oh damn near every single policy uh, policy recommendation by public policy experts, experts yeah right, has been an utter disaster and and done nothing. You know it, it it was completely pointless and actually made things worse. Masks are totally pointless. That's beyond a shadow of a doubt now, hundred percent proven. Lockdowns have been proven to be disastrous. They didn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. But they were disastrous. And this guy is saying, if this guy was in, he'll pro- he'd probably try to reinstitute lockdowns. Why? Because he's a tyrant. You know, on a govern- governmental lever- level. If this is the guy that people want representing Texas from the Democratic side, man, I mean, it, it, the fight right now I guess may end up being here in Texas because if this guy gets anywhere near the state house, uh, I mean, it's going to be on. There's just, there's no way. I, I just have to believe there's no way people here would put up with any of his bullshit, you know, reinstituting any kind of top down, uh, you know, top down mandates or commandments from Austin to everybody else. You know, that would be a perfect example of why counties should then fight back and say, no, not going to happen. We're not, we're not, we are not following that path here in XYZ County. So it's not just states leaving Mordor and then everything will be fine. This is a constant fight. Const- we have to be constantly be, be uh, vigilant to defend ourselves in this thing. And basically, you know, look at it on an everyday basis and say, look. You know, who's the offender now, you know? Step one, yes, I believe, is the state leaving Mordor. I've said this before. We should have our fights with each other in Austin rather than Washington, D.C. That means we can fight with each other in Austin amongst ourselves and not have to convince 49 other states to do, to either give us our freedoms or to do something. This should be a message that even... You know the hardened, most hardened communists on the left would be would agree with that. It'd be much easier to implement your tyranny by convincing folks out of Austin rather than Washington D.C. and convincing all the other 
red states, you know, this this should be something everyone agrees to. Let's let's sh- shrink the uh, area over which we need to convince people of our policies. That makes sense. So anyway, be very interesting to see what happens. Keep it up, truckers up there, but you got to also keep up convincing people as to why it's good that you're doing what you're doing and why sometimes people have to sacrifice. And, you know, hats off to the Washington football team for taking on, to be being honest and taking on the, the mantle of commanders because that's what you are. You, you know, it should be Commander Skeeter, should be your uh, mascot. I mean, at the very least, Make a mosquito as your mascot now. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, but the Washington Skeeters would be a more accurate name for that football team. But anyway, that's kind of my thoughts for today. Really appreciate you listening all the way through. Uh, go on over to leavetheswamp.com. Join and become uh, one of the 300. And please keep talking to people about secession. Keep planting the seeds. It's uh, so very important that the seeds get planted now because if we wait too long, it'll be too late because it takes a long time for seeds to germinate and for those plants to grow. So we got to do it now because we're talking a five, ten year plan right now and a lot can happen bad in those next years. I mean, see how fast it happened with this uh, scamdemic and everything. So anyway, remember, uh, plant those seeds, quote Samuel Adams, it does not take a majority to prevail but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. Let's, make, let's plant those seeds and let them turn into the brush fires that Adams talks about there. All right? All right, thank you. Talk to you on the next one.